calling all detectives. Why should a man with a family apply for an insurance policy and name as beneficiary somebody who doesn't want the money? That is the problem on this page from my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. When a private detective like me, Jerry Browning, gets a case, he seldom knows where to lead. John Cooley, head of investigations for Consolidated Insurance, was small, dried up, had two china marbles for eyes, a thin, bloodless mouth. He could be as implacable as death itself. Or, Browning, I have an unusual situation here. Pietro D'Andrea, age 42, occupation given as laborer, applied for a $500 policy. Here's the doctor's report on him. I read the medical report. Applicant suspected of having a heart condition. Policy application refused. I handed the paper back to Cooley. What about it, Mr. Cooley? Mr. D'Andrea paid a $15 deposit against his first premium. The letter refusing the policy, together with the refund check for $15, is here, but will not be sent. I blinked. Why not, Mr. Cooley? Because Mr. D'Andrea is dead. He was struck by a motor car and killed yesterday. Cooley put his fingertips together. You understand we have no legal obligation. Nevertheless, we will pay the full amount less the initial premium. Does it carry double indemnity? Cooley nodded. The beneficiary is listed as Joseph Haviland, relationship friend. There's no question about honoring the policy. All I want to know is why Mr. D'Andrea, with a wife and two children, applied for a policy making a friend the beneficiary. An insurance company elected to honor a policy it would have refused had not the applicant been accidentally killed. On the way to the address given for the beneficiary, I thought about the contradictions in John Cooley's makeup. If there was anything wrong about a policy, he'd fight against payment even if he had to spend twice the face value of the policy. Yet he'd turn around and honor a double indemnity policy where the company had no legal obligation to do so. The address given for Joseph Haviland, beneficiary under D'Andrea's policy, turned out to be a tavern. I went on in, asked the bartender, Are you Joseph Haviland? No. Well, does he own this place or live here? I never heard him. I shrugged. Okay. But if you ever do see him, tell him he's passing up a thousand dollars. A heavy-shouldered, florid-faced man got up from a table. I'm Haviland. What's this about a thousand dollars? I'm from Consolidated Insurance. man by the name of Pietro D'Andrea left you his insurance. Haviland's already red face mottled. Is this some kind of a gig? No, D'Andrea had a $500 policy. He got hit by a car, which means you collect a grand double indemnity. The color slowly receded from Haviland's face. Okay, hand over the dough. I haven't got it. I'm just verifying the claim. And D'Andrea had a family. How come he picked you as a beneficiary? Look, I figured this for a gang right from the start. Now I know it is. Get out of here. Wait a second. All I ask is... Bartender had come up behind me, suddenly pinned my arms. Haverland said, Mister, you smell like a cop to me, and I don't like it. I picked myself up off the sidewalk, waggled my jaw to make sure it wasn't broken. Then I staggered over to my car, got in, and drove off.
You let the man beat you up. The bartender was holding my arms, Mr. Cooley. Hmm. Who is this Joseph Haberlin? I checked into it, sir. He owns that tavern, and I suspect has a shakedown racket, a protective association going in that neighborhood. Cooley rubbed his chin. Did he strike you as a man who would engage in an insurance murder? I shrugged. He'd probably do anything for money, but he'd also be smart enough to wait until the policy was issued. No, I don't think murder for insurance is involved here, Mr. Cooley. Cooley frowned. Well, get to the bottom of it, Browning. Yes, sir. Uh, it may be expensive, Mr. Cooley. I said get to the bottom of it. Okay. So I had the job of reconstructing the life of a poor laborer, now dead and buried. His wife couldn't tell me much, only that he'd been a good husband, a good father, worked hard. As for the insurance policy, she didn't even know he'd applied for one. The foreman of a road crew told me, Gondria? Well, he was a good guy. I hear the fire him. Why did you fire him? Well, uh, you know how it is. I uh, had to make a job for a friend of a friend of the district boss. Yeah, I'll bet you did. So Dandrea had lost his job before he applied for the policy. The picture began to emerge. In fact, don't use my name, but you understand, this Dandrea, he looked like a guy waiting to die. I only had one more loose thread to tuck in, and I took care of that at the county courthouse. Case against Joseph Haverlin? Well, yeah, sure. He's suspected of killing a butcher on 108th Street. Charges dropped. Witness didn't show up. Who was the witness, do you know? Uh, Pietro D'Andrea. Dead, ain't he? I reported back to Cooley. And that's when he pressed the button starting wheels turning. Front fender of Haviland car dented. Paint cracked. Chemical analysis. Paint spots on Andrea's body. Check with paint analysis of Haviland's car. Hear ye, hear ye. The case of the state versus Joseph Haviland. Charge the willful and deliberate murder of Pietro D'Andrea. Haviland tried to make a deal for life imprisonment. But when they told Cooley about it, no deals. He'll either go free or go to the chair. So that's what it was. The chair. A little man, Pietro D'Andrea, knew that he was marked for death. Was afraid to appeal to the police lest his family be involved. But he also knew that if he enlisted a great insurance company on his side, there would be one chance that he might be avenged. That's why he tried to buy a policy and named as beneficiary the man he feared would kill him. Like I said... You may be a little guy, but there's nothing like life insurance to get an awful big guy on your side. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives, mystery drama, mystery quiz, and a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective.